Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending May 7th, 2021. I'm Sophie Antel-Joubert, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Alex Kuzli, Investment Strategist for Russell Investments. Hi, Alex. Hey, Sophie. How are you? Good. It's great to see you. Um, I know it's early in the morning on your end. It's the end of the day Thursday here. So you're going to help me tell time in advance and give me a glimpse of the future since you're already actually on Friday, May 7th. Um, what I'm hoping you might be able to give us a read on um, in your time zone ahead of us all is um, some updates on China. Um, there's been some you know, market movement there recently. Also, central bank updates. There's a lot going on around the world and central banks would love to get your insights on what, what is catching your attention at the moment and what do you think that we should be thinking of as investors looking ahead. Um, and then lastly, there's been some movement around the growth versus value trade this week that I wanted to get your thoughts on. Does that sound good? Perfect. All right. Terrific. Well, maybe starting at the top, China. Um, you're calling us from Sydney this morning, so you're a little closer than most of us are to China. What's your read on what's been happening there and sort of the, the Chinese equity market this week? Yeah, sure. So we've seen some equity weakness since, arguably since the middle of February, uh, and it's come off the back of there's two key factors. I think the first one that we had been flagging is that China were the first in and first out of COVID and the first in, first out of stimulus. And so we are starting to see uh, monetary policy at the margin tighten. Um, but I think the important thing, and we've been talking this, is it's a gradual tightening of policy. They aren't going quickly to a, a restrictionary um, stance on monetary policy. And the second one that has come kind of a little bit more of a surprise to the market has been the Chinese government's crackdown uh, and regulation on tech companies. So there's been uh, Alibaba have been in the crosshairs, Tencent have been in the crosshairs, and more recently the food delivery company, uh, Meituan, has been in the um, crosshairs. And what we've seen over the last week that is a promising development, I think, for the development of the economy uh, over a longer period, but is a risk in the shorter term, is that the Chinese government have been really looking at uh, tech companies' provision of finance. So a lot of tech companies actually you can borrow money from. There's this amazing statistic that of the 20 most commonly used apps in China, nearly all of them provide some form of financing, like even like photo sharing apps you can borrow money from this microfinancing. And they're really trying to restrict and look at, you know, the ways that that is happening and whether it's appropriate. And that has been weighing on the market. More generally, though, like the economic data, we got the PMIs last week uh, for manufacturing. They still look pretty good. Like they're not as exciting uh, or as strong as the rest of the world, but they are showing that the economy is still ticking along quite nicely. And when we look at consensus growth forecasts and even what the IMF are looking at, you're still looking at 8% growth for this year. Um, but yeah, we still think the outlook's quite positive for China, uh, and these regulatory things are just something that we're keeping uh, that we're keeping mindful of. Terrific. Um, so maybe moving a little bit to other shores for a moment, uh, can we get a quick update from you on central banks? I know the Bank of England is meeting soon. The European Central Bank um, is going to be making some statements. Um, obviously, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen no longer at the Fed, but recently made some statements and retracted statements about inflation and potential impact on interest rates and stuff, um, which obviously ends up involving the Fed. So um, what is, what's is sort of present for you right now in terms of central banks? Yeah, sure. So we can start with the Fed and I guess those comments from um, Treasury Secretary Yellen. So she was uh, mentioning the fact that all this stimulus might mean that we might need to see higher rates. It wasn't clear whether she meant long-term rates like the 10-year yield or or, you know, Fed funds rate. 
Uh, and so then she, as you mentioned, she kind of pulled them back. More generally, though, we think the Fed are going to remain quite accommodative for some time. Uh, they are viewing what is happening with the inflationary dynamics right now as transitory. Um, you know, you have the base effects and this pent-up demand through this year. Uh, and then there's a, there is this interesting divergence between central banks globally. So Eric last week was talking about the Bank of Canada who came out uh, and were more hawkish uh, and started tapering uh, their bond purchases. We have the Norges Bank in Norway who met this week and reaffirmed their guidance that they expect to be raising rates later this year. Uh, and then this week we had the Bank of England uh, who have tapered their bond purchases. Now, it's, it's not a hawkish move um, per se because they've kept the same amount of money that they plan on spending. They're just going to spend it over a longer period of time. So they haven't reduced the amount of money they plan to spend on bonds, but they're just reducing that pace. Um, and just this kind of gradual shift towards um, taking away some of this policy stimulus. Uh, on the other side of that, though, you have the Federal Reserve, as I mentioned, who are very much in, the same, in staying where they are. And the other bank that is much closer for me is the Reserve Bank of Australia, who also met this week. Uh, and they are very much in the camp that they don't plan on doing anything uh, anytime soon. They have a one of their policies is a three-year yield curve target, so they're um, they're looking at trying to maintain a ten basis point um, three-year yield. Um, we think that's going to stay in place for some time, as well as a more general quantitative easing uh, approach. Because for the Reserve Bank of Australia, whilst the economy looks quite good and we've we got through COVID um, quite nicely. Uh, the Australian dollar has rebounded quite significantly and that is becoming a hindrance uh, on their outlook for exports and more importantly for their outlook for inflation, which the Reserve Bank have focused on. And so they are very conscious of the fact that if they remove easing before the Federal Reserve, for example, uh, that will lead to further pressure on the uh, exchange rate, which is unneeded. So we have these two, two camps, uh, but I mean, the most important thing is that the Fed, uh, we think, are going to remain accommodative for some time to come. So it sounds like there maybe, you know, things are kind of staying the same, um, switching gears a little bit to something that, that was not quite the same as it has been for a while. Um, this week, we saw value stocks pop a little bit relative to growth stocks. We had some of that activity later last year, earlier this year, but it's always um, it's always interesting to see after growth has done so well for such a long time. It's interesting to see that reversal what do you think that's due to? How are you reading that? And what do you think it's going to look like when you look in your crystal ball? What, where do you see that trade going? Yeah, so we had, you know, as you mentioned, at the start of the year, value was doing quite well relative to growth. April was pretty soft. Um, we saw a bit of a reversal of that trend. As you mentioned, this last week um, has been quite good for value. I think there's a few factors. I think the first one is that, you know, I think if we look across the economic data in the US and more broadly, uh, it is quite strong. You know, you look at economic surprise indexes, which look at it comparing how the data is coming in versus what expectations were. They are looking quite healthy. You know, data is coming in better than expected. And as you have these strong growth um, dynamics playing out, what it means is that it's, it's not as uh, hard to find growth to pay for. And in that environment, we do expect that value stocks would outperform because that premium for growth starts to you know, become a little bit less valuable. Uh, and so we still have quite a positive or a constructive outlook for value stocks relative to growth. And I, I think it's interesting through the earnings season is that when we deconstruct the earnings reports uh, into value versus growth, we're really seeing that the, the value companies doing really well and, and outperforming significantly. I guess one of the main examples of that you can think of is the financial industry that 
you know, had earnings estimates that were well above expected on the back of those loan loss reserves. But that trend has been more broad across values, uh, the value stocks in general. And so I think that dynamic is nice. We do expect that to continue and we think value, is, um, value performance should be strong through the rest of the year. Perfect. Terrific. Well, that's all we have time for today, unfortunately, Alex. But thank you so much for joining us and thank you for sharing your insights with us. Thanks for having me, Sophie. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back again soon.